This is the Buy Blink Blink Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Game Podcast is zero and zero now. And mm-hmm. what did we tell you at the end of the last podcast? We tried to get everybody on board, but unfortunately, <laughs> after reading some of the comments after the UNC game, <laughs> a lot of people did not get a train ticket. And guess what's going to happen here, AC? The conductor is back. The conductor mm-hmm. is back, Zion Williamson. The ACC Rookie of the Year, the ACC Player of the Year, the Sporting News Freshman of the Year, the Sporting News Player of the Year, and that's just scratching the surface on what the conductor is going to pick up along this train ride. It officially left the station March 9th, mm-hmm. 2018, at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. That's when it was announced that he was not going to play for the UNC game. We knew he wasn't going to play. But we know that he was going to come back to the ACC tournament. He will yep. be there Thursday night around 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What do we expect from the conductor? Dude, I like, so if, if emotionally thinking, if you want to judge it off of his face when he was walking off the floor, the, the kind of famous uh, video now of him walking off the floor after that game, then we should expect Duke to win by 30 every game. But quite honestly, I, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about the death lineup and everything like that with him playing at the five and all the other stuff. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think K, I, he didn't spend this much time keeping him off the floor for five games to completely change the team where Zion's going to be at the five yeah, and, and RJ or Cam at the four and, and Jack White filling in all the other stuff that people are talking about. I think we're going to see something pretty similar to what we've seen all season because what we had all season was really good. We just never had it. So I think we'll see Javin or Jack at the five to start games, probably Javin. I think Zion will be at the four. I think you'll see Cam at the three, RJ at the two, and Trey at the one like we've done all year. It's four out, one in. So yeah. I think that's what we're going to see. And it, and Zion will do, he'll do his thing. He'll play all over the place. He'll he'll be efficient. I don't think we'll see a you know people are talking about a pitch count quote unquote. I don't think we'll see a pitch count on Zion. If, if we're blowing a team out, he won't play. If we need him in a game, then he's going to be in the game. Bottom line, I, I don't I think it's going to be business as usual. This team has a different verve. K K always uses the word verve. They have a different verve with Zion in the game, and it's 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 one of those things like they know they know that he erases mistakes. They know that he's the guy who helps them out, and. If, if they do something wrong, he's going to be right there with them, and he's also going to be making plays all over the place. So it's, it's a different team with him on the floor. It really is. It's not an excuse. It's not anything else other than when Zion Williamson is on the floor for Duke, it's the best team in the nation, bottom line. This team was built for March. Correct. Period. We've been telling you that for weeks on end ad nauseum. This team was built for this specific scenario. There is no reason to bring him back Saturday as much as – Diehard Duke fans wanted him to be back Saturday. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I did as well. But you hit the nail on the head. That video of him walking off the court, he yeah. looked like a man possessed, and he can't wait to get back on the court. Yeah, that so, sums it up. So let's let's kick things off real quick. Uh, you know, with that game against UNC, you know, Duke just can't catch a break, man. You know, <laughs> two, two minutes into the game, Bolden goes down. Right. We're talking a little bit about Bolden uh, and, and Zion's status going forward a little bit later in the podcast, but let's talk about, you know, the, I don't want to call it luck because that's probably not the right word, but it's just, just very unlucky for mm-hmm. Duke 
in the two games this year where, you know, Duke fans are coming into the season all jacked up, thinking that, you know, we have a really good chance to, to sweep UNC. And and we end up getting swept. And, right. you know, obviously we can talk about asterisks and, and make excuses. Talk to, talk to us about what you saw in that game, though. Did you feel like Kay had a, a, a game plan other than, you know, just let RJ and Cam score as many as possible or, and, and not really show his hand? Because that's kind of what I took away from it. Yeah, offensively, offensively, I thought the game plan was solid. And when you have when you have somebody like R.J. Barrett and you have somebody like Cam Reddish and Cam just went off in the first half, yeah. You, you, when you have guys like that, then game plans are easy. Like you can kind of draw up anything you want, and you 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 feel like a hero. But that's not. There's no knock on K. That's just that's absolutely what those two offer the team, which is incredible. Like those two are great players. But the fact that Trey Trey was actually even even when Bolden went down, Trey still wasn't necessarily like the third score, which was nice to see. So he was on offense. He looked a little more comfortable, you know, some shots by Alex, some shots by Jack didn't go down, you know, Javin, they ran a lot of pick and roll with Javin, even though they didn't throw him the ball a lot, they still ran that play a lot for him. Um, so, so there were, there were some things that I saw that were nice because Zion's going to be in that role. Zion's going to be in the role of what Javin was doing at times. He's going to be doing what Jack was doing. So that that's what that that's entirely what Kay had been doing this this whole time that Zion's been out is he's been running plays that Zion's going to be inserted into when he comes back and and that was the big takeaway from this whole thing and that's the thing I loved about it so much and that's the thing that pissed people off so much is that you know they see certain guys doing it so they get mad about it and they say we don't develop players and all this other stuff the plays that were being run weren't for those guys those plays that were being run for Zion Williamson. So just it's, just pretend like you saw number one instead of Javin or instead of Jack or instead of other guys in those roles. And the other part of it was like defensively, I didn't like to switch against UNC. I, I didn't think we switched well against UNC. That's that team that Roy Williams plays really well against switch defense. He always has. And every, ever since he's been with UNC, anytime we've played switch man against UNC teams, we haven't done a good job. But anytime we've stayed home, and and kind of just played protection defense against UNC. We've done a really good job against them. So I'd be interested to see if that's what we switch to when or if we play them in the ACC tournament, if we get away from the switch. The switch works great against UVA. doesn't work so well against UNC. So, you know, we'll we'll kind of see how that goes, especially with Quis out, because, you know, he's he's such a good defender, especially on the switch. And maybe that was a part of it because Javin does not switch very well, as we noticed. But... And we've noticed all season that he doesn't switch well, but you know it, it's just not his strong suit. So I'd I'd be surprised if we see the switch defense again against UNC if we see them again in this tournament, which we should, you know, technically. So um, that that was the other the other takeaway for me on defense was the switch didn't work. But even though it didn't work, this team played really really well for you know so such amount of time they could only do so much. Like it was. With, with basically with six guys against a team that plays seven and eight and those seven and eight are, they just go. It's just one of those things, man. Like we just ran out of gas. They won at home. It is what it is. They were better than us that night for some stretches. We were better than them for some stretches. So I, I don't take much away from it other than we have never been a full team against just about everybody in the ACC. So. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll just, you know, quickly touch on two of the things that you mentioned. Uh, you know, a lot of the, Sundays right now, we're, we're talking about, you know, how Duke, Duke did not adjust. Well, you hit the nail on the head. 
maybe it's because we know we're getting Zion back and mm -hmm. we're going to continue to roll plays out there that would normally be run for him so that when he does come back, it's a seamless transition. And it kind of lightens it a little bit to uh, the Boston Celtics and what Brad Stevens does. Mm -hmm. Brad Stevens, you know, was lauded last year for, you know, when Kyrie went down, it didn't matter because it was Rozier was in, he was going to run the same exact way that Kyrie did. Yeah. And whether it's Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum would do the same exact thing. That mm -hmm. way, when players come in, it's the same exact offense. They know what they're doing. They know what to expect. Obviously, the efficiency is going to be ramped up dramatically when Zion get, you know, comes in. So offensively, it's going to help every single player out on the court, including RJ, because it's going to take so much off of his plate. Yeah. Defensively, yeah, you know, I, I thought that Javin, you know, he did some nice things, but he's, he's really frustrating to watch for me because it's like he is, you know, uh, a half second behind the play. You know, the yeah. game is too fast for him, especially defensively, whereas his athleticism will allow him to, you know, make a crazy block here or there. He he really killed us in that one stretch where they were able to, you know, kind of break it open. Yep. It was really Kobe White that did it. You know, he got switched on and, to Kobe White twice. Yep. And, and, and you know, you, you knew he was going to hit, you knew he was going to take the three both times. He was sagging off of them. And, and look, let him go by you. If he goes by you, he goes by you. But you can't let him start getting, you know, open threes. He's, you know, their second best shooter behind Cam Johnson. You can't let him get open threes like that, especially at home on senior night, because it's just going to amp up the crowd that much more. And those two plays specifically, you know, kind of crushed this. And then another play that he, unfortunately did not make wise on our offensive end. He goes up for an offensive rebound, extremely weak with the ball, gets snatched from him, and he's jogging back, and they get it to Brooks. Uh, they call a foul on Jack White, which, you know, I didn't think it was a foul, and even Jay Billis said it wasn't. But what happened there is you jogged back, you were weak with the ball, and one of our guys picks up a foul. And when we only have six guys playing, you know, folding down and Zion out, you know, we can't really afford that. So, yeah, yep. we ran out of gas, but a lot of it was, you know, kind of our own doing there. And, you know, look, I, I thought the guys fought hard. I, I did. And Yeah, no, know. they they absolutely did. And that's that the thing with Javin, too. You know, no, notice the, the UVA matchups. He, don't, he doesn't play much against that team because game plan-wise, he doesn't switch well. K knows that by now. Like, anybody who's like, K doesn't develop guys and he doesn't know his own players. Like I've seen that this week. He doesn't know his guys. He knows yeah. his guys and he doesn't want Javin to have to play switch, but guess what we guess what K did not practice. He didn't practice Bolton flying into the stanchion, which is five and a half feet off the baseline. He didn't practice for that. So he didn't practice for losing Bolden on an MCL sprain in, in the very beginning of the game. He practiced on Bolden being in there for switch defense because Bolden does that really well. So I guarantee you Kobe White doesn't hit those shots against Bolden. I promise you he doesn't. And and have you ever noticed how hell White's his bottom lip like kind of curls under? Like it's it's really weird. I don't, I don't get it. But it, when when he's when he's on like that lip curls. So watch out for that lip. That's how you know he's about to take a shot. But no, but like, but it, it, like, again, like it sounds like excuses and it sounds like, you know, uh, under preparation and everything else like that. But injuries do matter. They absolutely matter. And when you've game plan for a certain thing, 
it matters. So with the first meeting, we game plan for Zion being in the game. When he's out, that's why it looks so bad, because he was a part of the game plan. This time around, at the very least, Bolden was a part of the game plan. You lose him, so switch defense doesn't work when he's out of the game, because he's such a good switcher. He really is. And he creates a lot of havoc for smaller guards on the perimeter. So, yeah, it's just, I don't, you know, I don't want to hear anything about it being an excuse because that's what you game plan for. I'm sorry. As a coach, it's what you game plan for. It, it, it is what it is. Injuries, they do matter. We had them, and now we have almost our whole team back. So it is what it is, man. I can't wait to see us with Zion back and then hopefully in the NCAA tournament with Bolden back. Yeah, I think we could go all day on talking about, um, you know, where we lack patience from uh, pundits and even our own fan base yep. when it comes to when shit hits the fan, unfortunately, a, a lot of stuff goes out the window and you got to adapt on the fly. And sometimes it works. Right. And it's sometimes it doesn't. That's and that's just we, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned it about this team being so young. When, when you're a young team like this, you don't have something to fall back on. So as much as you want to say K doesn't prepare guys for situations like this, you can say it all you want. It's not true. The, the K that everybody knows and loves that they fall in love with from 15, 20 years ago, that's the K that had guys who were three and four year players. And you're able to do more with those types of guys because they know your system like the back of their hand. They could talk about it in their sleep. So if you want to say throw the ball out on the floor and just go play, do it. And, and you can do it with those types of guys. And that's why it worked in 01 with Jason Williams and those guys. A lot of people are using that as an example to talk bad about this team for some reason. That's a totally different team, man. They, they knew each other. Like they, they were a part of something. Plus, they had the best communicator college basketball has ever seen in Shane Battier. So I don't, I don't want to hear that. This team, is, it's, it's absolutely a factor for this team, the injuries. And the fact that they've done what they've done with the best player in college basketball out and with all the other injuries that they've had in between it, out, R.J. Barrett and Cam deserve so much credit for what they've done, and I'm so sick of seeing them as scapegoats. I saw, I saw again this week that R.J. doesn't play both sides of the floor. Shut up. Stop. <laughs> stop. Like, stop, stop talking bad about this dude, man. Like, R.J. Barrett's one of the best basketball players we have ever seen at Duke, and people continue to talk bad about the guy. I'm so sick of it, man. Like, like get off this totally different conversation. Get off the train. Yeah, I, don't we, we, the train. We, we, I don't want you can, on the train. I don't want you on the train. I don't want him on the train, man. That's what the off-season for, where we can go off on that. <laughs> we got to stay, stay on track yes, here. Yes, I'm sorry. I apologize. We got to stay on track here. Let's get to <laughs> some more positive news, which is the uh, ACC – Awards came out on yep. Monday, and yep. uh, we expected this to happen, but we were a little bit nervous, you know, after uh, after Saturday <laughs> night. That's an understatement. But but, but everything held true. Yeah. Uh, Zion Williamson was indeed named the uh, the freshman of the year and the player of the year, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest gripe we could really have was that RJ could have been either one of those as well. Uh, nice problem to have for Duke. Those two yeah. uh, were just named uh, Sporting News first team All Americans as well. Yep. Th- those guys are, you know, just enjoy it. And that's why I think when we talked about so much complaining, just enjoy these two guys. But let's talk about the, the ACC awards. I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick. The guys who nailed the first you team. Did. You did. Uh, the, only, the only exception was uh, Robinson from Virginia Tech, but he got hurt. So, right. you know, actually. You and know, he would have been first team. And he would have been first team. So, yeah. nice job to TK. Well done. Uh, he nailed it again. 
And uh, that actually that that actually earns me a, a Morton Stinner if I uh, <laughs> yes, podcast. Does. Yeah, it does. Okay, that's yeah, it, does. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. I we put I di- I didn't have your list to put on Twitter on our Twitter account, uh, the Five Point Play Podcast on Twitter. I didn't have your list to put on there, but I put my list down on Twitter right before they were announcing the teams, and your our our lists were basically the same in terms of who was on it, other than Justin Robinson. But our we kind of did our end of year predictions or whatever. We nailed everybody who was on that list. We just some of them were on different teams than we put them on. So, and I think that kind of speaks to the league this year. I think it speaks to how there was a top and there was a bottom of the league this year, and. It is what it is, and the ACC has been more competitive in other seasons. But you know, you you have T like NC State. They're they're not. I don't know if they're a tournament team anymore, but they were a possible tournament team. They didn't land anybody on the list, and then you, everybody on the bottom of the list, other than Notre Dame, didn't get anyone on the list. So it kind of speaks to the league this year. There was not much parity in the league. You had you had three teams on the very top, and and then you had a group of about four in the middle there and then everybody else was kind of on the bottom so and you saw it with with the guys that were all, that made teams this year so you know it, it was an it's an impressive group the guys who made the teams absolutely deserve what they got i i still would have put kai bowman on a first team but you know that's just me uh, obviously he was he was penalized for how bad his team was but as a 6-1 guard he averaged almost eight rebounds a game 21 points a game. I don't know how I don't know how you leave him off a first team with those types of stats, but it is what it is. Um Kyle Guy, he still deserves what he got being on the best team in the league, but it's it's when you're talking about, you know, placement on these types of teams, theoretically I think you're talking about individual achievement and I, nobody had a better season in the ACC than Kai Bowman other than Zion Williams and RJ Barrett. So I don't I don't know how he didn't make it, but you know, it is what it is. So, yeah, I think he even got he even got a vote for player of the year, I believe, but still made second team. So it is what it is. What, uh, how do you feel about uh, Tony Bennett getting the coach of the year? I'm, I'm with it, man. Like U- UVA is, is so good. And he's, he's being awarded in a time of basketball that we've never seen before, which is the NBA or the NCAA is being used as a minor league for the NBA. So guys like Kay and Calipari and other and other coaches who and I mean they're really the two main coaches who have dealt in one and one and done. I guess you could mention Sean Miller as well in that. They're being penalized in a way for for bringing in guys who are only going to be around for a year, and there's not much development with those guys on the surface. So they're being penalized a little bit for that type of thing, and I really hate that because a part of being a college basketball coach is recruiting adapting and then coaching on the floor. So the fact that Kay didn't even get a single vote for coach of the year, dealing with everything Duke dealt with and how they finished the season, plus bringing in the guys that he brought in for his team. It, it kind of sucks, man, because he hasn't won the award since the year 2000. So, so does that mean he's been a worse coach than all the other coaches in the ACC since the year 2000? Absolutely not, but that's how it reads. And it's, it's really a shame. Like I get, I get awarding someone who does something out of the ordinary, but at the same time, I also don't get this this penalizing mentality that the that the ACC writers continue to uphold since 1953. That we're, I'm going to penalize you for being a freshman, or I'm going to penalize you for having two freshmen on your team that are incredible. I'm because because there's four writers who decided that R.J. Barrett didn't deserve to be on the first team. 
and speaking with a couple of writers that I know that have votes, they have said that those guys typically say they will not vote for two freshmen on somebody's team because they don't agree with that style. It's like, come on, man, stop. It's not, it's not, it's not the era of Dick Grote anymore. Just stop. Like it is what it is right now until the NCAA deals with it and the NBA deals with it. It's basketball right now. And don't penalize RJ Barrett for that. Like that's stupid, man, because yeah. you voted for Zion. Like, don't do that, man. Come on. So it, I mean, like I said, it is what it is. And it's, it's, it's stupid. We still, it's, you know, we still got two guys on the first team, so there's not much to complain about, but it's just that mentality, man, is it's, it's, it's just, it's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. It's the it same is, thing man. as like the baseball hall of fame, like the guys who won't unanimously vote for somebody who's the first ballot hall of famer, like Ken Griffey Jr. But then, you know, finally they stopped doing it this year with Mariana Rivera. It's like, just stop. Like that old thinking, man, just stop. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm on it, rants it, tonight. It's uh, it's fun. I mean, it's the truth, though. We talked about that uh, a month ago that you're going to see, you know, Kay get zero votes because everybody expects him to win because Mm -hmm. of the recruiting job that he did. Well, that is part of coaching. And and I'm not sitting here uh, pontificating for Kay to be the coach of the year. I think Bennett was fine. I think Roy Williams would have been fine. I think Buzz Williams would have been fine. Uh, But having Leonard Hamilton (laughs) above him. Chris Mack above him, which I also think did a right. nice job. I think that's a little, I think yeah. that's a little ridiculous. You know, you, you right. have a guy that you know is fourteen and four, and played with out of full lineup for over half of the the conference season. Correct. You know, nine out of eighteen games. Nine out of eighteen games. He 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 had his full team for nine out of eighteen games in the ACC, and most of those were against the bottom dwellers of the ACC, and they continued to penalize k for that and it's like stop man like because the narrative has been oh well you have three lottery picks so you should be fine stop like that's not how it works and we've seen that's not how it works and and anybody who knows basketball knows that's not how it works and these writers do know basketball so they know that k has to put something together with these guys so stop penalizing him for it like i don't get it man and uh, i don't get it it's annoying. It's annoying. <laughs> to year 2000, I cannot believe for 18 years, Coach K hasn't been the best coach in the ACC, according to writers. I can't believe that. That's just so hard to believe to me. I don't yeah. know, man. You know, since that time, he's won three national championships. You would figure somewhere along the line, he probably would have uh, been named Coach of the Year, one of them. But, um, you know, moving on real quick. So let's talk about were you surprised at all? that uh, DeAndre Hunter was named the defensive player of the year. I was a little bit because he's not even their best defender on their team. I had from, of course, you have, when you talk about defensive, the defensive team for ACC, I'll just give my list um, just, you know, as just an example. I had Zion Trey, Elijah Thomas, Kenny Williams, and Mamadi Jekite. He was, I thought he was their best defender in terms of rim protection, in terms of what he does in, off of switches and and how you play that style of defense, the pack line man defense, I thought Diakite was instrumental in how well UVA did this season. And to me, I'm shocked that he didn't get on the team, especially since Scara from, from Clemson was awarded with some votes uh, for player defensive player of the year, things like that. Cause he's, he was, he's a very good defender, but he does a lot of the same things Diakite does, but Diakite does them a lot better. And DeAndre Hunter is a good player but he's their main offensive guy. So you look at some UVA games, he, he's not on the best player 
when UVA plays games. He's generally not the guy guarding the best player. Usually that was that was assigned to Braxton Key or Diakite. So it it was it was strange to me that he got that award, especially because statistically he's not on any any list in terms of blocks or steals. And it, it was just it was it was a little it was a little strange he got that award. I think someone from UVA sure deserves that award because that's the best defensive team in the ACC. So if if that's how you want to play it, then sure. I just didn't think that that was the best defensive player from the best defensive team. Yeah, and if you actually look at the votes for defensive player of the year versus who was actually on the first team all defense, they don't mm-hmm. even match up. You know, you're getting right. guys at all. Right. You know, Elijah Thomas is on the team, but yet his teammate you know, is getting votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, it just, it, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, and I thought that you were getting a little bit too cute. I understand that Hunter is, you know, the best player on the best team, but that doesn't mean that he's the Defensive Player of the Year in the conference. Um, I, I thought, biased or not, I thought that should have been Trey Jones. You know, the, the, the pressure that he puts on and the statistics to back it up, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the way that you know, he takes everybody's, you know, best perimeter player, shuts them down. The uh, field goal percentages are dramatically decreased. Their yep. points per game are dramatically decreased. Their turnovers go way up. Yep. I just felt like, and, and, and I hope that. The you do know who I put down team. as, you know who I put down as ACC defensive player of the year, correct? Who's do you that? remember? Kenny Williams. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? right. Kenny Williams, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Jay Billings had his, yeah. if Jay Billings had his, yeah. his way after uh, <laughs> fawning over him the entire night on Saturday night. But, um, you know, finishing up the awards, it was a good day for Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a couple guys, obviously, on on the uh, the all-freshman team. Trey Jones, uh, obviously, R.J. Barrett, and Zion Williamson, who was yep. the only unanimous uh, selection on the freshman team. Somehow, mm-hmm. four people, four writers, decided that R.J. Barrett should not have been on the all-freshman team. I, I don't know how that happens, but yeah. um, you know we're already going long, so we're going to move right, right. to the next play here. Talk about the status of Marquise Bolden and, and obviously Zion. Zion, unless something crazy happens in the next 48 hours, will play on Thursday. We don't believe he's going to be on a minutes count. But let's talk about what Bolden's status is. Kay came out and said it was a mild uh, MCL sprain. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm no doctor, but I know that that could be anything from right. two weeks to, to six to eight. So when do you expect him back? I think we'll see him in either the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, uh, kind of a la Carlos Boozer when he was doing his foot thing. I think he sat just enough time to give himself some rest. He could have played earlier if we need him. We we shouldn't need Marquise Bolden in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But... You know, you get to the Sweet 16, depending on the matchup, we may or may not need him. So I, I think I think that's kind of when you'll see a possi- either a possibility of his return or at least his status being labeled from out to possible, probable, doubtful, that whole vernacular. It's going to be matchup dependent until you get to, at the very least, the Final Four. But Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, I think you'll see, there's a chance you see Bolden based on who we may or may not be matched up against. It's, you know, that's that's just my, that's my thought on it. Mild and Seattle Spring, you're, you're going to have, you know, everybody everybody on the boards and on Twitter and on Instagram is is doing their best, their best WebMD impersonation right now to go look up 
what they think a mile himself sprain means and what it means for him, kind of like they did with Zion. But you know, they're not giving it any kind of grade or anything. They're just saying mile himself sprain. I think he'll get rest, and I think that'll give him a chance to rest. Really, that'll give him a chance to rest that calf that he's been kind of nursing for a couple of weeks. That's been a bigger problem, in my opinion, than probably what's wrong with his knee at the moment. So it'll give him a chance to rest. I think we'll see him in that in that second weekend. Yeah, and I agree. I think that it'll be Sweet 16. That'll be a roughly three weeks since he got injured against mm-hmm. North Carolina. Again, uh, you know, and, and this is hindsight being 2020. This is a typical, um, you know, armchair quarterback. I, I this is why I brought up potentially seeing him against that uh, against North Carolina last Saturday. You can't predict somebody's going to go down, but like you said, he was already banged up. Uh, I felt like that was an opportunity for in a meaningless game other than for bragging rights. I just, I looked at it as a way to say, hey, look, we're not waving the white flag, but we're not throwing everybody out there either. So right. um, hopefully Cleese gets better. He's had a really, really strong season, and he deserves to to, uh, to see this one out. So yeah. let's hope that we get him back. And let's get right into to the next one, which is the ACC tournament preview. I know that you've been glued to the TV all day, betting Dude. on games, <laughs> Dude. watching games. <laughs> All the above, audience, man. For our audience, if you want to throw out some some bets so that we can take the opposite, then you know, please. <laughs> well, you say that I already won with Miami today, okay. and at the moment I am winning with Northeastern, and I got some more coming tonight that I'm gonna win with. So that's when we're recording this. By the way, we're recording it on on Tuesday, so not not to sound revisionist, but I'm I'm winning tonight, man. That's all I'm saying is I am winning. I am winning tonight. This is and my then, favorite time of year, man. I love this time of year. Starting starting last week. Last week we already had some some conference championships started and awarded by the weekend. This this time of year is so awesome, man. It's always been a dream of mine to go to Vegas for not for NCAA tournament first weekend, but actually for conference championship weeks. And now in in our area up here, we have uh, we have Charlestown, West Virginia, to do a little a, l- a little betting with. So it's it's been fun. It's been fun to be able to, to to kind of get that to get that going. So it's it's this is awesome, dude. I can't. By the way, Northern Kentucky, that's another team I put down on there. They're doing great. So I, I just I just want to mention that. But anyway, no, no, seriously though, this is this is the the funnest time of the year for me and a lot of people. And yeah, I think the sentiment is all across the board with that. And it's just it's great to have these games. And I can't wait. I can't wait for the ACC tournament. And we had it up here in D.C. a few years ago. That was fun. So, Yeah, so let's talk about that. And let's start mm-hmm. over in your neck of the woods in the Virginia, Virginia Tech, Florida State bracket. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about the so – first of all, talk to me about your Virginia Tech Hokies, and I want to hear what are the chances of Robinson even playing? How do they match up if they do play Florida State and move on? Kind of walk us through that side of the bracket. Sure. So not not that we have any Virginia Tech fans listening to this podcast, but the the thought <laughs> the thought that Justin Robinson comes back is if they if they get to that Florida State and or UVA game, there's a good chance he plays in one or both of those games. Um, they have Miami now; it's official. Miami won today, so they have Miami next game. They're going to sit him for that one, and rightfully so. They don't need him for that one. But if they absolutely want or need him against Florida State, they're going to use him. And Buzz, 
Buzz is kind of one of those coaches that he's developed the team now without him. And so he's kind of set, you know, set in a way for we can get, he calls him five. We can get five back when we need him. That's kind of what he said. So I, I think Justin Robinson will work. He'll, he'll definitely play in the NCAA tournament. I think the ACC tournament, it depends on their prospects and how they look as to whether or not he plays. But I I, th- I don't think you'll see him play in the beginning of that FSU game. But if it looks like they need someone to come in and kind of help slow things down or fix things a little bit, I think you'll see him play a little bit. But I, I think they'll rule him as probable against FSU. But anyway, it's a, they're a good team, and they figured out they have figured out how to do it without him, and not not wholly like they won five out of seven games without him, but still those two losses were against UVA and uh and against fsu he's important for them bottom line he's important for them and it'll be interesting to see them get him back fsu was a great team they didn't have anyone other than cabin galley listed for any of the teams which is interesting to have the fourth best team in the acc not have anyone on any all acc team but that just shows how how spread across the board florida state is you can't necessarily game plan for one player that they have so they're a tough team they're going to be a tough out and they're they're gonna give some teams some hell and 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 this in this type of format where you play day after day after day, it's you don't wanna see Florida State. You really don't. And they're they're gonna be a, a really good team to to face. And then you have you have uh you have NC State and Clemson on that side. Both of those teams can can be dangerous, especially because they're fighting for their NCAA lives. So again, that's that's not an easy game for UVA to have to stare at, but you know UVA is UVA, and they've done what they've done for the past you know six or seven years since Tony Bennett's been there in in the ACC and brought that pack line defense, and that's the story of UVA is their pack line defense and the way they share the ball. So it, it's going to be a fun tournament, and I I really can't wait to watch this one in particular, like the 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 lower. The lower conference tournaments are really fun to watch because it's fun to watch some of the upsets and things happen. But the ACC tournament is going to be fun once you get into that Thursday, the Thursday, Friday. It, it's going to be a lot of fun because there's going to be a lot of surprises, I think, that come out of those those couple of days. Yeah, and I think that that Virginia Tech-FSU matchup will be the sexiest matchup of Thursday if, mm-hmm. if obviously, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, and I hope Robinson plays just because he's better basketball. And, you know, it'd be nice to see, you know, a guy like Kim who – is so good to be able to, you know, enjoy his, his uh, ACC tournament. Yeah, it's and his final on, one, too. So Yeah, exactly, his final one. So, um, you know, on, on the other side, obviously Duke's bracket. So most most believe that we're going to play Syracuse on Thursday night. AC, do you believe that? No. Well, no, <laughs> I don't. And I don't. And, we're like, so, again, we're, I'm watching where wa- the game is on right now. Pitt versus Boston College is happening at the moment watching both of those teams play and both of these teams are a bad matchup for Syracuse. You talk about the NCAA tournament and bad matchups occasionally, like that's, you know, that, that vernacular is used. Both of these teams are a bad matchup for Syracuse. If either one gets through, I think it's going to be Pitt. They're, they're more at full strength than BC is. And they have a lot of young guys who want to make names for themselves. Trey McGowan's and Xavier Johnson, those types of guys, man, they're a tough team. And, if if they get hot, then they're they're really going to 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 push Syracuse in that zone a little bit because they they're, t- they're athletically they can hang with Syracuse really easily. So 
it, it's really going to be about how how do the cues how do they deal with what Jeff Cable is going to throw at them. If for whatever reason Syracuse gets through to Duke, then I still think Duke is going to handle them. I, that first game was an anomaly. It is what it is. Cam was out. Trey got hurt in the middle of the game. It happens. That's what. Ha- that's the story of this team. But we're going to have a health, should have a healthy Duke team playing the Syracuse squad. And we've seen a healthy Duke team against the Syracuse squad kind of beat them up a little bit. So I, I don't see us having a problem with Syracuse. And we should have we should have a Friday matchup with UNC. It's yeah. you know, Louisville's not going to beat UNC. Notre Dame, if they happen to beat Louisville, is not going to beat UNC. So we should have a Friday matchup with UNC. Yeah, I mean, the sexy pick right now from at least the Duke side of things is, is everybody picking uh, Louisville to beat UNC. I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening at all. Absolutely I give, not. I, I, give, I, give, I give Matt credit yeah. for keeping that team together after yeah. blowing it against Duke. But, you know, that was his points. funeral. RJ said it's a funeral. That was the funeral. It really was yeah. for Louisville. That was the funeral. It was, but I mean, I give I give them credit for hanging in there. Um, yeah. they could have. It could have been much worse for them. So, yeah, I don't see them beating uh, UNC. So, nah. what it should do here is set up, and we'll get right into our predictions now. Mm-hmm. The, the the final four that we believe is going to be Duke and UNC in the latter half of Friday night's matchup, and then we got UVA. Who is going to face UVA? Is it going to be Virginia Tech? Is it going to be FSU? Or somebody we don't even know about yet. I I want to say that it's going to be Virginia Tech. I do, and especially if Robinson is back, I really believe it's going to be Virginia Tech that comes and faces them. And and if Virginia Tech faces UVA, I think Virginia Tech beats UVA. I do. I, I especially in this format, I really do. I think with the three point shooting, it's the three point shooting. It's the story of tournaments. It is. If you get hot, you can beat anybody in the nation. And this is the this is the right time for Virginia Tech, who's one of the best three point shooting teams in the nation, to get hot. So, right. so you're taking Virginia Tech, and who do you got coming coming from Duke and UNC? Duke, obviously. Duke Duke's beating UNC with Zion on the floor. They are beating UNC with Zion on the floor. Bottom line, there's no no even no need to even dissect it. They're a better team than UNC is with Zion on the floor. So, I say it's Duke. It, it's going to be a Duke. I think it's going to be a Duke-Virginia Tech final. I would hate that, personally. Personally, I would hate it. But I think we're going to see a Duke-Virginia uh, Tech title. But, obviously, UVA, it's hard to bet against UVA. It, it really is. But, you know, you, you get a hot team, and I think we're going to see a hot team. You, I, think, I think we're going to see Duke-Virginia Tech in the final. And who's, who's the winner? Duke. I think Duke, right. Duke Duke is the best team in the nation with Zion Williamson on the floor. He makes this team the best team in the nation easily, and I think we're going to see the team that we kind of fell in love with in December and January, which is just a completely dominant team. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, that's that's true. Uh, for me, I, I'm, I hate the burst of bubble. I'm going to take uh, Florida State over Virginia Tech. Okay, okay. Um, I like their size, their athleticism, and I think that that's going to be too much to uh, – to handle and, and even with Robinson coming back, I do think there's going to be a little bit of rust there. So I'm going to take FSU to go up against UVA. I think that's a great matchup for UVA, mm-hmm. and uh, I fully expect uh, them to kind of cruise to uh, to the championship game. And then you know we talk about Friday night, and I just want to remind everybody 
that, you know, back on January 3rd, I told you what was going to happen. I told you our last loss of the season was going to be March 9th at UNC. Put another one in my column. And now I'm going to tell you what's going to happen here. Zion is back. The conductor is back. The train is already left the station. We're making a couple stops on the way to pick up some awards, some hardware. But then we get into Charlotte. We're going to blow out Syracuse on Thursday night. It's going to be a 20-point win. And then we play UNC. It's going to be a tight game. Everybody relax. The conductor has us. We'll win that game by about 7 or 8. I want to say it's probably going to be like an 81 to 74 type of win for Duke. Then we go on to face UVA, a team that we've already beaten twice. UNC just proved it's not easy to beat a team three times, but they don't have the conductor. We do. Duke is going to beat UVA. It's going to be a tight matchup, 69-67. Duke in a comeback in the second half. We'll beat UVA and win the ACC tournament title in Charlotte. I can't wait. I hopefully will be there, but we'll see that that is TBD. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you what, this is the best time of year. And uh, everybody that got a ticket for the train, mm-hmm. welcome aboard. We're going to be serving refreshments. We're going to be getting everybody, <laughs> you know, some, some snacks. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Gonna, we're going to have all the games on in our club lounge as we're you know, just locomotive going down to, to, to Charlotte. So, the conductor has us. I'm ready. He's ready. Go Duke. Toot toot. Let's go Duke.